0: the mechanical freak podcast broadcasting live from seattle the city of the future today greg how are you doing
1: oh man i'm i'm fucking great brian i've been been hard at work i know you had to work four days this week yeah yeah
0: so you need to take Mm -hmm. at least two months off to recover
1: yeah you know it's gonna be a long road um but uh you know i've got uh i've got good people
0: in my corner you know
1: <laughs> i've got a training regimen i'm going to get back on my feet
0: <laughs> you've been listening to uh, joe rogan getting that supplements uh, uh, regimen jo- all joe rogan lined up.
1: asks me about supplements brian
0: don't don't don't, <laughs> don't get it fucking confused <laughs> well are we up to one full month of work days for the year yet oh i mean i doubt it <laughs>
1: I guess we might be getting close. Yeah. It has it has picked up, you know. So, yeah, actually, honestly, yeah, I probably have worked a whole... Uh, what's that, tw- like 20 days? Yeah, yeah, I've worked that much. Yeah. Nice. Ugh. Bummer.
0: Well, as of uh, this week, although I won't get my first check, obviously, until next week, uh, I'm back on the dole, maybe. Hell so. yeah. Feels good.
1: I mean, that's the thing, man. I had a great unemployment claim this year, and, like, I milked it, and the just as like i was getting close to running out that's when the work started and it's like there you go that's you can't you don't tell me that's the wrong way to live all right like that (laughs) like just don't 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 try and sell me that hustle shit because like i got this figured out i got this shit figured out
0: Yeah, and I mean, you got those 20 days in which replenished your unemployment claim a little bit. I don't know that that's
1: the case uh, (laughs) because it's all spread out over
0: the year. Yeah.
1: So I actually, I need like, I need the last quarter. I mean, I guess if I had like an insanely good September, then this quarter might get me an unemployment claim next year. If not, I need the last quarter of the year to be fucking gangbusters, but we'll see.
0: All right. Uh, Michael Bay, if you're listening, let's let's get Transformers eight shot here in uh, Washington so Greg can get something some work. He's oh, got yeah. it that he's got sounds, Transformers like experience.
1: Nightmare. I would turn that one down, but um, <laughs> I don't want work. I don't want to work that much. I don't I want employment that much.
0: Optimus Prime, total prima donna. You don't want to be on set with them. <laughs> well, uh hilariously Munya is in town but he's out sightseeing so he can't be with us today <laughs> uh he he did hang out with uh me and you greg uh this week for an ill-fated dinner where i managed to burn the shit out of myself while cooking for you guys so i hope you appreciated it
1: yeah brian has la croce uh branded into his palm <laughs> yeah, <my> forever <laughs> now like joe pesci in uh, home alone has the McAllister m in his palm
0: Hmm. One hundred percent. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, good luck to munia and the sightseeing. Um, what, what, Greg? What's, what's your sightseeing uh, first two, top two things you're gonna take a tourist to in Seattle?
1: Um, what do you got? Take the ferry back and forth to Bainbridge. Okay, that's number Cause one.
0: You, Cause you're a man of the sea, so you like to be on the water. That's where you it feel is. Best. The
1: it is it's the best. I mean, you're not gonna get better views of anything anywhere. It's like a, a tour of like a whole section of the Puget Sound. You go out to an island. If you want, you gotta get off when it mm-hmm. stops, but you can turn around and get right back on. Uh, if you want, you can get off and like have lunch and walk to the little town of Bainbridge and whatever if you wanna like see some touristy like art hippie shops, like uh but you know, you can get some lunch at least. Or you can just literally turn around and get right back on and watch from sit on the other side of the ferry and uh watch, you know, the other side of the view, this you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's cheap as hell if you're walking on, um, and uh, so that is the best, that is the best uh, for the money or otherwise, uh, tourist activity you can do here,
0: you know, that's that's good advice, right? I actually never think about the fact that you could just take somebody on a ferry ride
1: yeah it's they're cool they're fun to ride on well you see it's like an incredible like tour like boat tour of the sound like you see like you all you pass the islands and into the cove at. uh you know you're seeing like the view of the city is the best you're gonna get you know it's a big boat and people from most places around the world their minds are blown by the ferries here because especially if on that run A lot of the time you can get on one of the fucking massive ones, you know, that are just like the biggest in the world, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they got the little uh, little food center there so you can get yourself Mm -hmm. a little beer, hang out. Yeah. Good times. All right. Well, we've been gone for a few weeks, uh, mainly because weirdly, we've all actually been busy. (laughs) (laughs) haven't been able to record uh Uh, strangely enough (laughs) if you listen to the show you would think we have nothing but free time which is usually the case brian's Um, on vacation now yeah i'm on vacation my uh woo my students this summer they were they were something but um didn't you just visit
1: portland on your as your first like leg of your vacation
0: I actually did, and it was because Truy was in town running some sort of marathon or something in Portland. Awful. Uh, but him and uh, one of my old friends from San Antonio, I haven't seen him forever, and Kenny were both in town. And me and Brim were escorting Chewie and Kenny around Portland while both of them were walking bow-legged because apparently this marathon was, like, all downhill somehow. <laughs> and so they were like wrecked so anytime there was like stairways or any like slight incline they all like became 80 year old men like all hunched over trying to get anywhere Jesus! but we did have the uh, why would
1: you do that to yourself
0: hey you you notice I'm not on any of these things no thank you Uh, if you see me running start running too because it means something serious is coming this
1: sports shit like like people like, you know, you kind of get this idea that it's like a, like a self-improvement or like, it's like a, you know, you're doing like a feat, like for your body, but it's actually just a competition. Most of it's just a competition. Most of sports are a competition where you wreck your body. The only <laughs> sport I'm into is longevity as a sport, like Brian Johnson, the billionaire who is, uh, you know, that's his ethos. <laughs> He's t- treating uh life extension as a sport he's a he's a longevity athlete and that's that's the program i'm on
0: <laughs> well uh i gotta say it was not a good advertisement for uh you know running as a sport uh, because we also got to meet the rest of the running team and they were all pretty wrecked as well i i'm assuming i, I think Chewy at this point was like a bit of a uh runner in retirement it just comes out every once in a while to do stuff but all the rest of them they're doing this regularly seem pretty fucked up too <laughs> so yeah. not, not a good advertisement i gotta say but uh it was great we did have uh i feel like the sort of como news typical uh portland visit in that they were staying you know somewhere on the east side of the river kind of in the downtown area and I walk him down to uh, Kashka, which is like a Russian re- Russian restaurant that's actually very good in Portland. And on the way down, a homeless guy did threaten us to uh, stop following him and intercepting his radio signals. <laughs> so, it's like, like as it he kept was going, on to you, yeah. As it kept going and going, I was like, "Oh man, we're just hitting all the all like the stereotypes." Brian,
1: you gotta. You gotta take control of your OPSEC, man. Like, that guy spotted you, spotted your tail. He, like, w- was your equipment showing? Like, I, did you no, open I, your trench coat or what? Like, I, it, I did in the stop light?
0: the group and ask, like, seriously, guys, um, were you intercepting his radio signals? <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause>, I mean, because <laughs> we need, know.
1: we need, we need that data, but like, you can't be like, out here like the fucking
0: White House plumbers getting caught stealing it man. <laughs> so yeah, so otherwise we had a very nice uh Portland visit, but uh we d- we did have one uh stereotypical right-wing Portland experience <laughs> which which was uh getting accused of intercepting radio signals from a crazy person. But uh, is,
1: could can Portland be dying if if Portland is like so on the ball about its um radio privacy like exactly portland was dying that guy would that guy would just be uh like asleep in an alley right like no he was he was on the lookout he was protecting his shit like that's not that's a that's vibrancy to me
0: as as we're gonna uh learn from some stories later in the show today uh, i think that guy's more on the right path than most of us are now uh chewy did have a complaint and i'm gonna have to register it too City of Portland, any of our listeners who happen to have any connection to the city of Portland, why does everything close at eight PM? I mean, seriously. Word. Fake ass city. <laughs> like, I think have these people that are like city of the you know, the Portland's dying or whatever, everything's abandoned. They just got there post eight thirty PM and we're walking around and we're like, everything's abandoned. This is like uh, you know, uh, a post apocalyptic scene. And they didn't realize that apparently everything in Portland just closes at eight. Like it's the history of white
1: supremacy, I think. But um, and case in point, (laughs) I I was in uh, I got uh, by necessity an early dinner in West Seattle yesterday, Mm -hmm. and you take an you make the mistake of taking an after dinner walk, and you can't even get ice cream past seven (laughs) p.m. Like, yep, that shit fucking shuts down at seven. Everything closed, closed at the fucking junction
0: yeah it's wild uh like seattle in the summer yeah seattle's restaurant game sucks like you cannot eat here late night like just nothing is open but the crazy thing about portland was all the bars were like closed at 10 too it was insane like everything was everywhere we went even if it said they were open to like one they're like oh yeah we're we're closing up at like 10 (laughs) what
1: the fuck makes you wonder (laughs) did black lives matter
0: go too far (laughs) much to think about much to think about (laughs) well a lot of things happened while we were gone beyond uh my uh trip to portland but and greg's four days of work but uh yeah, we thought we'd go over some of the stuff we missed. Greg, a cop drove off a bridge in Seattle. <laughs> and the fact that we didn't do an emergency podcast about this it's is so good, amazing. Uh, I actually happened to be right in the area where this happened uh, because I was meeting Kamala Harris. No, uh, <laughs> for just a random other reason. But yeah, so Kamala Harris came to town to that beg had for money. something
1: to do with Kamala Harris.
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Cool. Uh, Harris came to town to beg for money, right? And I think she was going to somewhere in like West Seattle or something like that. But it had all of uh, the South Side traffic. Fuck. I wonder what that pitch bit. was
1: like. My God.
0: Yeah. I. I know for real, right? Uh, although it did involve my favorite thing in the world that uh, happens here in Seattle. That. I, Nobody ever brings up, which makes me even more crazy. Which is, anytime the president or president adjacent figure, like the vice president, flies into Seattle, they always fly into Boeing Field, right? Yeah. They they skip the public airport and go straight to the corporate mass, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, just think it's, it's also
1: a public airport, but you could yeah. be forgiven for forgetting that. But I just love that that there's is no, the case. There's no passenger terminal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, of we're course, just flying yeah. right into Boeing uh, because let's just down. Like other who's rich in charge yeah. yeah but uh but i always think that's a very funny uh thing but anyways so while driving around fucking up traffic downtown uh she of course had a motorcade following with her including a full cotier of uh police motorcycle cops escorting her and one uh the, the
1: guys you really want watching your
0: back <laughs> yeah top notch you know? Including uh, top-notch elite operator, uh, Bellevue motorcycle officer Kevin Beretta. <laughs> they
1: brought in. I love they. They brought in like the the relief team, like the extra, the like the backups. The they, you know, mm. and and the guy they had to get was uh, a guy named Kevin Beretta. So first of all, already you know he's bringing. Italian excellence. <laughs> um, you know, Kevin, maybe one of the stupidest en- English names, um, and and uh, and he's no from Bellevue. To our previous so,
0: guest, Kevin. <laughs> or Kevin the Squirrel, <laughs> another fan. Um, favorite and he's of from
1: the Bellevue, show. so mm-hmm. I I can't wait what to hear what's in store.
0: Yeah, and I cannot emphasize enough. And I think we'll actually use this as the image for our uh, episode. Oh, yeah, remind me, show me this guy. How, how important it is to see this guy's picture.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that's right. Oh, this guy, like... he looks exactly like you would think he looks. It's he amazing. Has, he looks like he has, I mean, he, we're you're talking about a a Kevin with the build and IQ of a refrigerator. That's what I'm seeing in this picture. Look at the fucking smile on his face.
0: Yeah, uh, just uh, everything about this man shouts excellence. Well, apparently kind of he's the type of fat that,
1: like, makes your face look like a burn victim. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just just lost all detail,
0: you know? He, he looks to be like the, uh, what's the, what's the bad Chris, the Seattle Chris, not Chris Pines, not Chris Evans. There's a Seattle Chris.
1: Oh, oh, fucking, um, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Chris Pratt. Yeah. He looks like Chris Pratt when he was like
0: at his fattest on Parks and Rec, basically. Except
1: like, not like, he doesn't have like that, that charming twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Chris Pratt was playing this dumb on Parks and Rec. Yeah. Like, you know. You weren't disgusted by him because it was an act.
0: He has the dull look that Chris Pratt has now that he's become like a full-time evangelical. But, uh, so yeah, so anyways, uh, Officer Beretta, they were apparently (laughs) driving up the on-ramp onto the Michigan (laughs) Street Bridge over the highway and he decided just to go for it and rammed his motorcycle head on into the guardrail and launched himself down onto the highway below. Apparently so falling drove off 50 a feet down to the highway below.
1: <laughs> isn't isn't strictly like I had to when you said this to me first, like I, I had I had a lot of questions and like I what we arrived at is like drove off bridge. Like doesn't sound quite right to me. It sounds like he hit a guardrail at speed and launched his body like leaving the bike behind like a cartoon right i mean (laughs) i mean those things do will pop up off the road so like maybe maybe it also followed him and landed on top of him that'd be that'd be even funnier
0: um uh, it, it doesn't appear so because while well, he was rushed to the hospital he was like fine a day later so i don't think his, his bike fell 50 feet on him or anything like that it sounds like he just launched himself down onto the road and well, got, got himself some they put him bruises. in
1: right they listed him in critical condition which i mean who knows if that's even true that's just like that's the thing yeah. that the police would say like yeah when yeah. it happened like without even really asking um the the the, per- the cop like twitter who tweeted that out like didn't like call up the hospital and ask like hey what's his status you know but like you know it may have been because you know when they did the like you know the tests of his awareness and whatever they they thought he had massive brain damage <laughs> and then it, you know they realized yeah, like a class, oh there's actually no cranial tell? trauma know, uh... that's interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs> now this the uh when Bellevue PD like reported on this, the funny part was it was another one of those great Twitter moments where you can see the difference between blue checks and like regular Twitter users where the blue check army is just, you know, uh thoughts and prayers, whatever. Right. And then uh-huh. everybody below it is like he was drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, the normal people of like, sounds like he was drunk. Is there any situation where he wasn't drunk? No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> he was shit faced. There's absolutely. I bet they all were.
0: Oh yeah, like, yeah.
1: It's they all got like this is the only reason we really have motorcycle cops, like because every place has to have them so that they can be in a motorcade from time to time. Um, but uh, what they all being, you know, hyper politicized right wing psychos, like as a culture, you know, as as an institution, they're they saw the the black democrat vice president like coming to town and wanted to get really like worked up and frustrated like they you know something i don't know uh and what it you know we should uh yeah this is uh oh man that kamala and not really knowing what else to do they all just got together and got hammered before uh their shift started for that. That's what well, the bike cops do. That's that's my guess.
0: Well, that and this notably happened on our way back to, uh, you know, her plane oh, or whatever, right? Okay, so what so I think while happened is they got the drunk event while she on. was, yes, because she yeah. was having a private fundraiser, so they weren't blinded inside. The bar next,
1: well, yeah, wherever, whatever yeah. hotel it was at, they walked, they like parked all their bikes and walked across and were like, man, this is some bullshit and started talking, man. Well, we should go into this bar and like, they're so like ginned up, like politically- ambiguously politically ginned up. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we should go into this bar and got drunk.
0: <laughs> well, uh, spe- you know, look. Officer Beretta, he doesn't need to feel too bad about this. Because he's named
1: after a gun, which, I mean... <laughs>
0: Well, one of the other things that we missed this week was Ronan Farrow. Right, wrote a big piece about uh, Elon Musk in New York Magazine, and in that piece, uh, Farrow revealed that look, uh, Officer Beretta's you know problem. It's it's a relatable problem, actually. Lots of people have this issue of just randomly <laughs> wrecking. Um, so in it, this <laughs> there's this paragraph in here which I just love so much that we just got to read out, which is. Perhaps the most revealing moment in the PayPal saga happened at its outset. In March of 2000, as the merger was underway, Musk was driving his new McLaren with Peter Thiel in the passenger seat. The two were on Sand Hill Road, an artery that cuts through Silicon Valley. Thiel asked Musk, quote, so what can this do? (laughs) Musk replied, watch this, then floored the gas pedal, hit an embankment, and sent the car airborne and spinning before it slammed back onto the pavement, blowing out its suspension and its windows. (laughs) This is an insured, Musk told Teal.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay, that's a funny detail. I haven't heard about that before. Um, But, uh, man, thinking of what could have been
0: you know yeah incredible and you know yeah i mean it's it's that like you know it's the uh like wheel of fate or whatever how close we were just getting rid of both of these guys <laughs> you know how ironically if he was driving a tesla they'd probably both be gone
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah would be, that be survive right probably now.
0: um but yeah just incredible stuff so officer Beretta doesn't have to feel so alone out there uh it happens to everybody you know, no big deal. Now, for our city, you know what? <laughs> this might be having a little bit more, more because it turns out the robo taxis are coming. Greg, autonomous vehicles are coming to Capitol Hill.
1: What? Are you ready? Okay, this I didn't know.
0: <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So GeekWire reported that uh, various. RoboTaxi companies have currently manned vehicles driving around mapping Seattle's downtown and Capitol Hill neighborhoods for future RoboTaxi implementation. And uh, (laughs) this is uh, from one of the reps of one of these companies. We've got a playbook running now. Uh, Scout a city. Whoop. Augment our data sets. Retrain, validate, and go. Once we're up and running, the data keeps streaming in. So uh, they're gonna go. They're gonna get a data set. Once they got it up and running, uh, the data and by data, of course, we mean pedestrians hit. will keep <laughs> keep streaming in, and uh, you know, our robo taxi future is here today. And, but
1: what what they leave out is what the the whatever scheme they have to you know. <clears throat> barge their way in the door playing dumb and then like hold you know some kind of like uh, administrative process hostage or and throw a lot of money around to like prevent them getting regulated away you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah and so basically like, you gotta do
1: this before these motherfuckers show up you need to like make it very clear in the law like don't bother investing here because it's totally illegal to not to have no one driving a car uh but if i guess we're not going to do that
0: well it turns out that three separate robo taxi companies have received permits from the seattle department of transportation under its autonomous vehicle (laughs) testing permit program that it launched late last year
1: uh so so an an invite an invite from the city to like Yeah, I'm sure, you know, yeah, to attract whatever, you know, tech, fucking money, bullshit, but it's like, good good luck dialing that back, you know, like when people complain, right, when people are like, what the fuck, this is fucked up, like, you know, when it finally, when they actually deploy the the cars eventually, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, for those who follow the drama on Twitter, the deployment in San Francisco has been, uh, let's say, less than optimal. Uh, in that the vehicles run into cars, they run into people, they run into people on bikes. Uh, Mainly it seems like they just shut down in the middle of intersections (laughs) and uh, prevent stuff like emergency vehicles from getting where they need to go because they form these sort of permanent roadblocks in the street, Uh, you know, because they just, you know, like Mitch McConnell, just die, (laughs) you know, just Mm. power down uh, wherever. Uh, So very well, this cool. is just stuff. the start,
1: though. I mean, like Yeah, they're gonna kill a lot of people, but like so did so do cars, you know, so do cars with drivers, right? Yeah. Like and people hated this is how this shit worked. Like people hated cars when they first showed up on the roads, which were for walking <laughs> and like the occasional horse drawn uh delivery vehicle or something. Like and and you know, what happened was there was enough capital was interested in selling these fucking things enough that they not only were like, no, that the the problem is actually you walking. Uh, They also demanded that the state like completely remake the infrastructure of the like entire like physical space of the world to accommodate these vehicles that need, like, very specific infrastructure to operate at all and to, like, maybe not kill someone, you know, every single time they're operated, you know? Yeah. That's what's going to happen with this shit. It's going to be the same fucking bullshit as... Capital's interested in not just selling the vehicles, but in cutting labor out of a lot of things enough that we're just going to have, like... When they start killing people, it's like, well, you know, it's going to be like, well, we need like better infrastructure. We need like uh, every road is going to have to have like uh, all these tracking markers everywhere that it's going to improve the roads. And then like, actually, we're going to have to redesign intersections so that like we keep the flow, you know, because now with autonomous cars, actually, you could keep the flow of traffic going because it's all with computers. And so actually certain roads through the city should actually only be for autonomous cars so we can keep you know this the autonomous car like highway and like whatever like whatever kind of weird shit and and you know over like decades as the world burns like we'll be spending money on like uh changing all of our road infrastructure instead of just building fucking trains
0: oh yeah yeah i mean this is going to happen in every city because capital wants it to happen. Right. Like that, that's the ultimate sort of, uh, just like, just like how we got cars. Right. Uh, the big interesting point is when the auton- when you're walking down the sidewalk or whatever, and the autonomous car <laughs> fucking dries up on the curb and hits you. Right. Or when you're in the autonomous taxi and it runs into a fire truck, like at San Francisco and you get hurt. Mm-hmm. The real question will be who's liable. Right, because in America, since we we decided to have a for-profit healthcare system, uh, liability when it comes to injury is a big issue, right? Like we, yeah. we guaranteed that most you know uh, important healthcare decisions have to be done in court, right? And uh, it does raise sort of an interesting question. I guarantee you, every one of these car companies, Cruise, et cetera, right, that run the robo taxis, uh, are going to say, "Not them." So it'll be an interesting new wild west of deciding who exactly is at fault in these accidents. And uh, for the first you know couple, two, three, four, ten million people who are injured or killed by these things, um, I imagine you're just gonna get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like you know you'll be on your own uh when the uh, autonomous vehicle comes in yeah, or and, the opposite you know, decapitates your father
1: right I mean <laughs> or the opposite the or the them. first several you <laughs> yeah. know thousand you know will get payouts you know until mm-hmm. the laws are written to make it like a no fault deal like
0: no driver no fault you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so it'll be interesting to see kind of how this plays out legally um you know to to the question of liability our future looks bright greg very excited for Uh uh, the the new robo taxi apocalypse (laughs) now on to other exciting future things Friend of the show, uh, Brandon Locke, and had Twitter have posted this up, and we saw it. Uh, so this is about the fires in Maui, which were fucking apocalyptic, basically. But wouldn't you know it, something that we had reported on when discussing Texas' power infrastructure. In California. That the, the, yeah, well, I'm talking about when we had the episode about the uh, Texas power system going down or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing that happens in, yeah, California, but... The Maui's electrical grid has not been invested in in quite a long time and has mm-hmm. bare wires mounted to poles, poles that are all falling apart, right? Um, so, you know, compounding the problem is that many of the utility's 60,000 mostly wooden power poles, uh, which its own documents described as built to an obsolete 1960s standard, were leaning in near the end of their projected lifespan uh, when this storm hit, right? Uh, The suspicion now is that the fire was started by the sort of substandard power grid that has been allowed to continue existing in Maui as uh, probably a private equity firm milks the fucking uh, power company for money. So uh, what a shocker. (laughs) Surprised to see this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is this like is a confluence of a lot of like stories, issues of the reality of like American infrastructure, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is what happened. Right. I mean, like the, the, the fucked up infrastructure that hasn't been invested in, in Texas, you know, it causes all their like winter and summer power problems. But in California, the massively devastating campfire and annoyingly named campfire, mm-hmm. um, in what, was several years ago now, that was, uh, caused by the same thing by high, high uh, transmission lines high transmission lines uh that were 100 years old um that were you know built with money federal money in for rural electrification and such you know the whole you know the new deal and like and some of them earlier they they had just never been touched and all that then they were sold off you know to private companies and eventually to decades ago to pacific gas and electric the evil uh northern california power company that is the the bad they're the bad guys in aaron brokovich and they also exploded an entire neighborhood uh a few mm-hmm. years before the campfire the d- the deal there was like they had these transmission lines where like they literally just had not in sometimes some cases like their own records show like had not even really glanced at them for decades, but they hadn't touched them physically. Like no one had like gone up them except, you know, a few times where, but also it had been studied. Like they had in their records, like they understood, like basically like in that case, the, 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 the lines hang on these, like basically hooks, you know, and they're these giant steel hooks with these giant steel plates with holes through them that the, the, that hang on the hooks that hold up the things and like they sway in the breeze, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're made of like high quality steel. So like they weren't rusting through or anything, you know, but they're swaying in the breeze and, or maybe they were aluminum. I don't know. They're swaying in the breeze and it's like, it was understood like already by lots of studies, but also by Pacific gas and electric specifically, like there's a certain rate of, physical wear of elongation of the holes that in the uh, in the bracket that's like holding up like as it sways back and forth on these hooks like it like chews through and it's like so you know whatever like a millimeter a decade or something like it's not fast but -hmm. they've just been swinging there for a hundred years and predictably they were all like like there's tons of them holding up these bare power high power transmission lines or just, like, held up by, like, a millimeter of metal. And, like, you know, decades earlier, they'd said, like, oh, yeah, these should be replaced now. Because, like, they're going to start failing at, at, you know, approximately this time in the future. And sure enough, they, like, one of them finally just wore through and fell off. That's all. Like, it wasn't even a storm. Like, it just, like, creaked yeah. back and forth for a hundred years. Yeah. it was. That's how well-built some of our infrastructure was you know, when we still built it, you know, yeah, up until the nineteen sixties. Uh like it has lasted all this time, you know? But that shit's all on its way out, you know, and and it's like it's happening. And and especially the stuff that's the the stuff that's still publicly controlled also is not getting invested in except highways. Uh though those suck too, but when to add more we're investing in them. But like any of this privately owned fucking uh, utility infrastructure is just like crumbling all across America.
0: Yeah. I mean, as we talked about in the Texas power grid episode, they artificially divided uh, power into like three elements, right. Which was like power generation, power transmission and collections. Right. You know, and, The collection side has been the only side that's seen significant investment and quote-unquote innovation, right? Which is bill collecting, right? Uh, Privatizing the power system has created uh, quite a lot of innovation and investment in the collection of money from you, right? (laughs) The extortion of money from the public. Mm -hmm. Uh, The power generation side has seen modest uh you know investments and things like that and that are the largely it's just squatting on existing power generating infrastructure but the transmission side which is the lines and everything has universally depend how it's divvied up in texas that's the one public part of it still and the state has just stopped investing entirely in it uh and has for decades uh in california yeah. that was handed over as part of the generation side of it and again everybody just squats on it, right? Like universally, the transmission side's just been squatted on and nobody's invested in it at all. And it is falling apart. And like, one of the things is with the new innovations and billing has come uh, this idea of, well, we should be able to move power in innovative ways, right? Essentially to do like surge power generation uh, based off of pricing models and things like that to where they were Mm -hmm. essentially just overloading particularly rural power lines by just running too much current over them, which everybody acknowledged at the time was a major fire risk and is, you know, considered to be one of the sources of several of uh the fires in california and has uh always been a larger risk or been a risk in texas although you know dirt doesn't burn luckily um but uh Mm -hmm. yeah it's it it turns out in maui same story as anywhere and i remember you know after in that episode in the uh, texas uh power grid you know one of the things that we talked about was uh hey america have fun making jokes about texas now this is literally everybody's power infrastructure <laughs> like yeah. you know for people who think this is some unique texas thing like this is what everybody's power infrastructure is going to look like in 10 20 years everybody's moving towards this right inexorably towards it and uh yeah it's great the future is bright so uh very excited i'm sure that big changes will be coming to Maui. Haha, ha, just kidding. Uh, They are going to... I mean, you know, there was that that town that just Lahaina or whatever that just got fucking wiped out by it that seemed to be mostly native Hawaiians living there. I mean, that's just going to become a giant, like, tourist uh, spot now, right? Like, it's just going to be... It's going to be turned into, like, Lahaina Disney Resort, you know? and All those people. Yeah, are just oh, I'm be sure.
1: Yeah, it's pr- prime real estate wherever. now, man. Like, the people are... <laughs> well, a lot of them are dead. The rest will just be scattered to the winds they'll you know probably a lot will, yeah. ha- will end up out of you know having lost the homes that you know had been in their family for generations that they were hanging on probably like in you know the rising property costs there they're gonna be out of that they're gonna be they're gonna end up in fucking california and seattle you know like yeah and and that's gonna be a, a resort for rich people you know
0: yeah. I mean, as, as, uh, Katrina should have warned all of us, uh, I mean, this is going to be one of the products of climate changes as these disasters happen. Uh, populations are just gonna be largely displaced, you know, uh, thrown out of regions that they're in. If that region is considered at all valuable to real estate interests, they won't be allowed to return. And, you know, these things still just get turned into resorts or whatever. Right. And, uh, it's very cool. Very excited. Well, also, uh, you know, happening in our sort of interim break here. Munya sent us this article from the website 404 called The Secret Weapon Hackers Can Use to Dox Nearly Anyone in America for $15. Let me read you a few uh, paragraphs, the opening paragraphs from this, Greg. I don't know if you read through this. It took only a few seconds to uncover the target's entire life. On the messaging, messaging app Telegram, I entered a tiny amount of information about my target into the dark blue text box their name, and the state I believe they lived in, and pressed enter. A short while later, the bot spat out a file containing every address that person had ever lived in in the U.S., all the way back to their college dorm more than a decade earlier. The file included the names and birth years of their relatives. It listed the target's mobile phone numbers and provider, as well as personal email addresses. Finally, the file contained information from their driver's license, including its unique identification number, and all of that data costs $15 in Bitcoin. The bot sometimes hmm. offers a social security number too for $20. Hmm. This, is, <laughs> this is the result of a secret weapon criminals are selling access to online that appears to tap into an especially powerful set of data, the target's credit header. This is personal information that the credit bureaus Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion have on most adults in America via their credit cards through a complex web of agreements and purchases that data trickles down from the credit bureaus to other companies who offer it to debt collectors, insurance companies and law enforcement. So, long story short, you know, the credit bureaus in America that keep track of your credit score have essentially all of your personal information. Like everything mm. that can be known about you, they have. They sell that information to debt collectors, to literally anybody who comes looking to purchase, right? Yeah, And it turns out that anybody is literally anybody. (laughs) Like, anybody can buy this information from them, including uh, people who have used private uh, investigator licenses to gain subscription access to this data and then sell the data a la carte to individuals who want it, right? Uh, So you can get, you know, obviously the personal information of anybody in America. So,
1: So, I mean, the real lesson is, like, what's the problem here? Like, this is all... Available information—it's always been available information for a price. Like mm-hmm. it's, this is just the innovation here is this is the Uber of finding out a someone's information. It's a you know a one-time small fee, like automated online to do something that yeah already exists because the because the credit bureaus exist and have all this time you know and been collecting this data. We've always been able to get this information. Uh, it's just been more expensive,
0: expensive and harder to get. And yeah. it's never been easier, essentially, to create a fake bank account or, uh, you know, make a credit card, <laughs> you know, apply for a credit card in somebody else's name. Uh, I-, I think the interesting thing about this is that in other countries, uh, laws have been passed to limit, <laughs> you know, how much personal information can be shared company to company and things like that. Uh, the United States obviously mm-hmm. has not passed any sort of legislation on that level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's
1: what I mean. Like, this is all something yeah. that's legal and always has been. Like yeah, there's yeah. nothing illegal going on here. You know, from what from what I can tell.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that is the sort of takeaway from the article. Is in talking with these credit beers to the extent that anyone would talk back to them, they're basically like, "Well, you're talking about misuse of a, like a legal product, essentially. Like that's like, hey." Uh, should we blame the hardware store if somebody buys a hammer and then hits somebody in the head with it or whatever? Right. But, yeah. like, yeah. the question is, is like, well, <laughs> I guess the the larger question that the article is asking, and maybe we should ask as, as a society, is uh, why do credit bureaus have all this information? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. why does any of this exist? Right. You know, and the legal justification seems to be well, credit bureaus need to have this information uh, so that your life can be microanalyzed so that creditors never have to take a risk in their life. And uh, they also need to be able to sell this information so that the police state and all of its various arms can find you at any time. <laughs> it's like, well, those are great justifications. there. Yeah. Thanks, I feel better. Well, and that. we need, <laughs> I mean,
1: we need the credit system as a lever of control on the rate at which America is immiserated. Yeah. As, as capital has clawed, you know since the 70s more and more of your surplus labor from you at a at a at a at the fastest clip they possibly can you need to limit the felt experience of that as that political change is happening you need to limit the felt experience of that with like a release valve of credit and so yeah that has to be maintained
0: yeah and so uh very exciting stuff so just look forward to you know having fake credit cards made out in your name just more and more frequently uh and as that happens more and more frequently look forward to having any avenue of recourse cut off (laughs) by the way uh in dealing with that so very exciting stuff well, on the monitoring side, uh, it's a good thing that Munya's in town for uh, Labor Day because Eric Adams, he's launched a bold new initiative in New York. Uh, NYPD is going to be using drones to check in on everybody's Labor Day parties this weekend. Flying over backyards, checking to see what you got on the grill, making sure that you flip that burger at just the right time. Don't smash it with your spatula and kick all the juice out, you know, just just, you know, doing some uh, good public works over the weekend. I mean, what do you even
1: say to that? Like, (laughs) like, it's one also like it's one thing to like, like, obviously, like, this is the inevitable, easy to see coming result of any police department getting these drones which is why everyone you know why lots of people didn't want them to have them (laughs) they're obviously going to abuse them in weird ways but like Mm -hmm. you would expect that that would be sort of a creep that would happen you know the creeps would creep you know the creepiness would creep up or like it would be incidental to it'd be like oh yeah uh, we're we need to throw the drone up for you know for things going on in this area or for, uh in because we think something might happen or some dumb reason. And then, yeah. Oh, well it's up there. Yep. Sometimes it happens to be looking in on your backyard when something's going on or because it's up there. We see something out of the corner of our screen that, you know, looks like we, we go to see, well, is that anything we care about? But like, this is like basically an announcement, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, guess, check, check this out. which is like, man, like
0: yeah, this is incredible. like let me read you the first few paragraphs of the AP story on this because uh, announcement is the correct uh, uh, word here. Those attending outdoor parties or barbecues in New York City this weekend may notice an uninvited guest looming over their festivities. A police surveillance drone. The New York City Police Department plans to pilot the unmanned aircrafts in response to complaints about large gatherings, including private events over Labor Day weekend. I well, mean, just
1: that sentence right there. <laughs> We're preemptively planning to serve aerially surveil your private property because of complaints of large events on Labor Day weekend on your private property. Like yeah. there's is there something illegal about are they talking about any illegal activity? No, there's they're not even there's not even like that kind of veil here like fig leaf right it's like we're just like just people gathering for labor day weekend Mm -hmm. which is just it's just so like it's clear the only motivation is the sort of police imperative itself the surveillance imperative itself and they're not even claiming anything else there's no fig leaf it's just like Mm oh boy there might be some big parties so uh, we're going to be surveilling those. So, well, what? And the I guess the only fig leaf is like the neighborhood noise complaint or something. But it's like, yeah, th- that's not real. Like, that's not well, a real what's... thing.
0: Well, I mean, that's and also good, that's... like,
1: what's what's the drone going to do?
0: Well, and also we should keep in mind, this is what the communist AP anti-cop press says. So let's hear from the yeah. police. Uh, this is from Kaz Daughtry, the assistant NYPD commissioner. Uh, at a press conference quote if a caller states there's a large crowd a large party in a backyard we're going to be utilizing our assets to go up and check in on that party (laughs) so yeah yeah the
1: fuck they're just (laughs) what what an insane thing to say they're not saying like well you know um if there's suspicious activity happening you know this allows us to uh in an efficient way get some eyes above you know especially in areas where uh, helicopters are not always uh, effective um, or like, you know, to prevent like uh, or get immediate eyes on gun violence or something. He's just saying if someone tells us there's a big Labor Day weekend party happening.
0: Yeah. We're going to show up and uh, surveil it. (laughs) that's
1: psychotic it's and it's psychotic to just be saying it out loud but i I don't know why i feel surprised but because this is such like obvious like cop brain shit but like that's the story here i guess is like once again like a new level of detachment from reality and society being reached by the police right like yeah yeah that 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 um and whether it's like cognitive detachment which obviously there's plenty of that or like the deliberate thrill of that detachment you know and Mm -hmm. they're bragging they're like the thrill for them the attitude i think if i'm like hearing between the lines here is like this is a perfect way to like get out and say like look what we've got we can see you you take a shit in your backyard we're doing the we've can do this like out in the open, like no one's going to stop us. We've got these tools. We can see you right now. And this is the perfect, like the baldest way to say like, yeah, your Labor Day weekend parties, that alone is a justification in our minds. Just so you know, like that people are gathering in your backyard. That is reason enough for us to look in on it, which means anything, which means any reason, which means, and we will demonstrate that this weekend in the most absurd way. You will see it a lot, and we'll get away with it, and no one will stop us. There'll be no, the the you know the mayor won't come out and say I'm sorry. This isn't going to happen again. There won't be legislation from the state uh, limiting this, or there will, and you know they're provoking that, whatever. But you know more than likely there won't, and then that'll be the new normal, and you won't be able to say shit about it. And and any scenario, we will have proved this weekend. There is no reason until like there's some supreme court case that says otherwise there is no enough no reason that we can't look in on your backyard because of a new technology existing the what is the definition of like public space is now changing even your private property behind a fence is now open to surveillance without a warrant you know
0: yeah and you know uh I, <laughs> you know it just can't help but be pointed out when you know the charleston guard was formed in the 18th century as america's first police force one of their remits was to make sure to break up any gatherings of two or more black people that they saw on the street Mm -hmm. right like that was one of their explicit stated functions Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting because here let me read you a little more from the associated press here So the move was announced during a security briefing focused on Jouvert, an annual Caribbean festival marking the end of slavery that brings thousands of revelers and a heavy police presence to the streets of Brooklyn. Wow. So pretty explicitly acknowledging like, by the way, when we say Labor Day gatherings, we mean if you see two or more black people, let us know so that we can have them surveilled immediately. like it's essentially nypd's like this is the this, you know it's not subtle Which, it's I mean, right there you know like
1: yeah and like yeah it's nothing new right obviously mm-hmm. like that's you know nypd's like totally unreasonable uh invasion of the privacy of black new yorkers is legendary you know but um yeah they're just saying just establishing there's a new way we can and will continue to do this yeah. And no, well, like, look at, like, you know, Stop and Frisk was, like, you know, a broadcasted, celebrated policy for a decade. Eventually, uh, whatever challenges came down that it had to be abandoned as a, like, celebrated policy. But, of course, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's basically still happening exactly the same way. Oh, yeah. Even though, you know, they they now have to say no that we don't do that and we we had got our we finally after a decade got our wrists slapped and had to change like how we do this for reasons but of course nothing has actually changed you know? yeah
0: yeah Which the, is, the action, you know exactly yeah.
1: the best case scenario for how this shit'll go
0: yeah the number of stops and the direction of the stops meaning the fact that they're disproportionately of black youth uh, does not seem to have gone down or anything uh yeah they're just like everything in policing when you do a reform. What that really means is, well, it's not going to be explicitly in our literature anymore. You change the paperwork. Yeah. So we're not going to say like, we prefer chokeholds in the, in the literature, but we'll teach every cop that and they'll keep doing them.
1: Well, it's a negotiating, (laughs) it's a political negotiating strategy, right? You like, you start from the position of, I don't need a justification at all, at Mm -hmm. all. Just the fact that crime supposedly exists gives me the that someone has killed someone with a gun at some point gives yeah. us the right to just randomly select people out on the street and search them. And what we can put on the paperwork is uh s- we stopped and frisked them for gun control, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's where you start out, and then there's a decade of legal fights. And the result is now when you write the report of that stop you have to say uh for you know for uh you know limited for for reasonable suspicion you know yeah for reasons you know (laughs) that's it it's just you have to fill in the comments box now you know yeah yeah so they'll start yeah they're starting out with this like nope there's no reason if there are people gathering if there are black people gathering we can surveil you from the above A decade from now, they'll have to give a reason.
0: Well, and for those that and they'll have more drones. And for those that are maybe feeling a little unnecessarily uncomfortable with this whole situation, luckily Eric Adams did step in to clarify things. uh, To hopefully to to calm down the hysterics, or like you're just using drones to monitor black people, uh, or using drones to monitor unwanted racial minorities. Uh, So again, from AP here. Mayor Eric Adams, a former police captain, has said he wants to see police further embrace the quote-unquote endless potential of drones, citing Israel's use of the technology as a blueprint after visiting the country last week. So, in case you're prone to panic that this is going to be used against, yeah, again, an unwanted racial minority uh, to devastating ends, I mean, that should make you feel better, right? I, 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 I,
1: (laughs) So, he's talking about Israel and the endless potential of drones. He's talking about automatically targeted machine guns on yeah, the Yeah,
0: he's, he's Yeah, he's not talking surveillance anymore. He he was dr- full drone That's, strikes. Yeah.
1: The the end of the potential is well beyond that, you know? So mm-hmm. uh incredible. Uh fucking nightmarish. Well, I mean, you know, to be expected though.
0: Well, New York City is not the only uh, big city in America having fun over Labor Day weekend. Uh, Los Angeles is going to have an interesting Labor Day weekend because all the hotel workers are on strike and have shut down a significant number, uh, or at least are picketing a significant number of hotels in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, I don't the- know,
1: man. You Come on. I, what, what's the problem? Why, why wouldn't you stay at a hotel where the managers were cleaning your room before you used it.
0: Well, luckily, apparently the hotels in LA, they're just not cleaning rooms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. has been how they've adjusted. Uh, so uh, the union representing the hotel workers is asking for an immediate $5 hourly wage increase and a $3 boost each subsequent year for a three-year contract, right? For a total of $11, per hour wage increase over the 3 years of the contract. All right. Um it's also made proposals regarding pensions, healthcare, workload and a policy against hotels using e-verify to check on the immigration status of workers. And it wants the hotels to impose a 7% fee on all guests' uh, room sales to create a fund to help workers pay their rent. Uh, Noting that a typical two-bedroom apartment LA uh, rents for close to $3,000 and a survey of local 11 members found that 53% have moved in the past five years or will move in the near future because of soaring housing costs. So a classic problem, which is LA, like every city in America, is increasingly unaffordable to live in. Yet it requires this massive, you know, workforce of extremely underpaid workers. And uh, the the hotel service industry is so different. These workers are pushing back uh, and the hotels are telling them to fuck off, essentially. Now, what's kind of nice is that a lot of groups that were holding conventions and things like that in the L.A. area have chosen not to, right? So uh, this from an article, uh, I believe this is from The Nation. Uh, The union's already persuaded the Japanese American Citizens League, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, and the TV show Vanderpump Rules, uh, as well as the Democratic Governors Association to postpone or move events from downtown LA uh, hotels. All right. Uh, They also tried to persuade singer Taylor Swift to cancel her concerts in the area, uh, since that would boost hotel, hotel traffic, uh, I'm a venture guest. Taylor Swift, uh, did not reply to that. at our Yeah. Our concerts. Uh, good luck on that one guys. But Greg, one group has stood out boldly <laughs> against this union bullying. Uh, uh-huh. and by your laugh are, do you know where I'm going with this?
1: I, I do. Yeah, I do. It's classic. It's perfect.
0: So the American Political Science Association is having their conference in Los Angeles this year and has controversially decided uh, to go ahead and have the conference anyway. Look,
1: I know where you're going with this. Like, yeah, oh, this is this horrible, like, picket line crossing bullshit. I know that that a lot of, you know, uh, members of the association, like, Lobby to get this, like, shut down this year so that people, like, you know, wouldn't have to cross the picket lines to come to L.A. and go to these, the fucking hotels. Uh, you know, I know that, like, there, there's also complaints like there's, nope, a lot of people going to show up not even knowing this. And so, like, the, the organization has not communicated this well. And l- look, all, all that's true. Counterpoint. I don't want to take any position, take any action that's gonna stop the political scientists of the world from gathering in one place. Okay? <laughs> like
0: it's very like, important to me that they're all in one place. Like <laughs> if if they wanna all
1: come together in the same convention center once in a while, who am I to stop them? <laughs> okay.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's it's very important that people have human contact, very close contact, and maybe a small uh, room, you know, yes. with a uh, limited egresses.
1: <laughs> but uh, it really simple it, it really simplifies communication and interaction. The logistics of you know interacting with a large number of the world's political scientists all in one fell swoop.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, the APSA, for their in their defense, uh, they argued that it would just cost too much money to change and um, that uh, the poor grad students would be hurt if we were not able to have uh, this convention. Now, it was pointed out that The contract that the APSA signed with, particularly JW Marriott Hotel, did have a clause in it that let them get out of the contract uh, cost free if there was a labor strike. So it turns (laughs) out the money issue, uh, not so much of an issue after all. It was very funny. The APSA had a meeting yesterday to, again, talk about this with its board. Too late, they're having the conference, right? But to talk about this award. And apparently their uh, their conclusion about this whole thing, because thousands of members have basically said we're not coming because of this, and have canceled their talks and things like that. Uh, their conclusion was that they just aren't gonna come back to California in the future and that they wanna hold future meetings in the South. <laughs> South in so. What
1: Yeah, hell yeah. Wow. That <laughs>
0: damn so political scientists just keep on winning i couldn't figure out uh if the u uh political science department is going or not uh or the texas tech one for that matter because every texas tech is too old and weird to be on twitter so <laughs> i couldn't find any updates from any of them but uh you know cool times yeah <laughs> times you gotta yeah. you gotta love it you gotta love the great field. group of
1: people political scientists yeah thank thank god i <laughs> i never uh even considered for a moment uh going to grad school
0: yeah i know right oh well a lot of, co- lot of cool stuff happened i'm glad we were able to cover it all while we're gone nothing left to talk about oh wait there's tons of seattle news cuz the seattle times apparently kept you know being in publication while we were gone greg can you believe it uh, uh so we got Lots of great Seattle news. Lots of great editorial takes uh, coming if, up for you on the Patreon episode.
1: If a newspaper <laughs> is printed in the forest and no podcasters around to make fun of it, like, does it exist? I, I, it shouldn't, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the right take is that it should not exist. And actually, just skip the whole prologue. Just go straight to it should not exist. Alright, so that'll be a Patreon for all of our, <laughs> our wonderful patrons. Uh, if you want to listen to that episode and all the myriad additional Patreon content, you could do so for the a mere $5 a month. The cost of a Starbucks latte. I don't know if that's true anymore. I haven't, I haven't gotten a drink at Starbucks in a while, so I don't know what those cost. Uh,
1: well, those, I mean, also... you know, with inflation, who knows, you know, like, thanks to uh, the, thanks to, yeah, thanks to uh, policy like our podcast
0: is getting cheaper all the time. <laughs> exactly. Right. We're, yeah. We're one of the few, because we exist outside of the Biden circle, you know, he's called us up constantly pressuring us as he has every retailer in America to raise, to raise our raise prices. prices. He's, he's constantly leaving messages say, Brian, this is the time to gouge. All right. Like get in there, raise those prices. It's part of my plan. And, uh, we've, we bravely resisted. So, uh, yeah, our our subscription becomes cheaper by the day. <laughs> now, because of that we will be lowering quality significantly. So,
1: yeah. That's it's the it's the one two punch.
0: Yeah, we're actually just getting rid of mics entirely. We're going to we're going to go back to just essentially uh, sounding like we recorded in a tin can.
1: If you sign up for Patreon, we'll send you a can. <laughs> it's a one-way yeah, can. Yeah, hold us to that. Don't talk into it.
0: All right, everybody. Uh, bye. (laughs) Bye.